So here we go. If you have your Bibles, go with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 46, starting with verse 9. Isaiah 46 and 9. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God, and there is none other. I am God, and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your love. We just ask you to have your way. God, thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to be able to worship and serve you in a land where we're still able to do that. God, where we're free to do that. Help us to never take that for granted, God, but to use it to the utmost ability that we can. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would say this with me today, the God, poke the person next to you and say, you can say this too. Are you ready? Here we go. Say it on three. You ready? One, two, three. The God that knows. I want to speak to you for a little while this morning on the God that knows. How many of you have ever had a situation where you just didn't know? You just, you, you were unsure, you, you didn't know. Maybe it was an untested recipe, and you didn't know how it was going to come out. Got friends coming over, and you clipped it out of the paper, and you hope that you got it right. You just don't know. Maybe a new job that you're getting ready to go to, and you feel the anxiousness about going into that job. You're not sure how it's going to turn out, whether or not they're going to like you, whether they'll keep you. And, and so you're, you don't know. There's just so many things that can gnaw at us because we just don't have the answer to it. An investment that you made, has that ever made you nervous? When that guy talked you into investing in Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down? How many of you, well, never mind that, but I was just thinking about so many things that came through that was a hot commodity. How many of you remember Cabbage Patch Kids? Now they're all rotten in the garden, man. They, 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 you know, they're, they're gone. That was, but they were hot for a moment, and so we don't know how things are going to turn out. A problem that you didn't have an answer to. Anyone ever face that before? All of a sudden, you're facing something, and you don't have the answer because you just don't know. Can I tell you this, that you've never had a problem that ever made God nervous? Amen. You've never had a situation in your life that caused God to wring his hands and say, I don't know what I'm going to do. Your problems are minuscule to God because, my friend, he is the God who knows. Everybody say it with me. He knows. We'd like to know, wouldn't we? We like to think we know. Sometimes we even act like we know. We wish we knew. But if you look at 1 Corinthians, Paul explains the predicament we're in. He says, now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then... We will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. 
But then I will know everything completely just as God knows me completely. How many of you long for the day when you know everything completely? Don't you? Don't you? Two people. Don't, don't, you, don't you just want to know? Don't you long for the day when you really know what people really think about you? Don't you? Oh, maybe not so much that, huh? But we, we, we long to know. Man, if I had known that back in the 70s, I was a kid, but if I had known that I could invest $1,000 in Walmart stock and be a millionaire today, buddy, I would have found me $1,000 somewhere, somehow, and invested it. But I didn't know. I just didn't know. And so we live a life that is filled with anxiety oftentimes because we don't know. We end up feeling like sometimes we're trying to navigate a fog. Have you ever been there? You ever been where you're, you're just trying to find your way and, and, and you don't know what's around the corner? Fog so thick that you can't see through it? Anybody been there? Isn't it odd that how, how that when we don't know what's around the corner, how that can trigger something in us? I thought about Peter. See, Peter thought he knew. It ends up, Peter's just in a fog, man. Peter's in the garden of Gethsemane hacking off ears. He's in the garden, and he's looking at Jesus trying to figure out why aren't you doing something? He knows he can. He just watched him lay an entire army flat on their back with the words, I am he. And that was enough to get Peter's blood to pumping. When Peter saw those guys lay flat out, buddy, he's whipping out swords, taking off ears and saying, come on, it's time to roll. And Jesus doesn't respond the way that Peter thought he should. None of us can relate to that, right? Have you ever been in a situation where God didn't respond the way you thought he should have? You know what I'm talking about. We, we get in a situation where we're facing something that we, we don't quite understand, but here's the danger of that. It's found in Jeremiah 17 and 5. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in and relies on mankind making weak, faulty human flesh his strength, whose mind and heart turn away from the Lord. Peter didn't even know he was there. He had no clue that his mind and his heart were turning away from God. Peter's responding with what he knows, and he knows the sword. And Jesus told him, put it back up. How many of you have ever responded only to find out the way you were responding was wrong. Ever been there? You, you, I mean, you thought you knew. You thought you knew, but you found out you didn't know at all. But he knows. Everybody say it with me. He knows. He's the God that knows. Have you ever seen evil rear its ugly head? We talk about 9-11 and about how that 
that, that happened and what an impact it had on us. And sometimes we can get a little messed up in our thinking. Those of you that weren't alive at 9-11 and you can't recall that, well, maybe you can relate to something someone did to you. And it becomes personal to you. And, and, and you're just, you, you can't figure out why God doesn't zap them. Thank you. Somebody's honest in here. Yeah, I mean, you're not talking out a big lightning bolt. Just a little one. Just, you know, just kind of like what you feel when you stick your thumb in a light socket. Just, just, just get their attention, God. I mean, after all, you've gotten mine over and over again. You've zapped me a few times. You've let me have it. Go ahead and let them have it. And we, we don't get it, and we, we get messed up, and we get all this going on in our mind, and it's easy for us to become disillusioned. But you're not the first. If you read the psalmist, chapter 73, listen to what he says. Truly, God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping, and I was almost gone. For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live just painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only evil. In their pride, they seek to crush others. Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper, but what a difficult task it is. Then I went into your sanctuary, O oh God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Truly you put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over the cliff to destruction. In an instant, they're destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. Then I realized that my heart was bitter, and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant, I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you, yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. See, sometimes we need to let the Word come alive to us. We need to understand that it may be somebody else that was speaking, but when you read it, it's like hearing your own voice. He's trying to, he's contemplating, he's trying to figure out, he's saying, man, I, I, I mean, I almost blew it. I almost gave up. I was ready to walk off because I was looking at all these wicked people and everything they were getting away with, and God, you weren't zapping them. <laughs> It's like I'm thinking, I, I don't get this. How come they get away with all that? And I'm, man, my life's miserable. I'm going through this. I, they got all kinds of money. I'm trying to make ends meet. I don't get it, God. I don't understand. 
Have you ever been there? Where all of a sudden you, now here's a, here's a problem, and this is what the psalmist tells us. He says, if I, I, I didn't get it until I went to the house of God. Amen. See, I thought he knew, but he didn't care. And then I discovered that not only does he know, but he also cares. When 9-11 happened, people thought, well, God must not care for this nation anymore. You don't get through life without trials and troubles, no matter who you are. There's no place in Scripture when it promises you that if you give your heart to God, you're never going to face turmoil. So get that monkey off your back and stand up and say, devil, I'm not going to let you take me down. I'm not going to let my heart get bitter. I'm going to get better. I'm going to learn from what I've gone through. I'm not going to wish evil on someone because they've done me bad. I'm not praying God zap them anymore. Isn't it strange how that when we perceive something that we can get ourselves all worked up about it, even when it's not true at all. Hang out here with me. You want me to explain that a little bit? We have a wonderful custodian here. His name is Tony. Tony, are you in the building? They're not here. Good, I'm going to talk about him. So, Tony, I don't know what his problem is. What are you talking about, Pastor? I, I come in, I've come in here several times and walked up to say hello to Tony. And when all of a sudden I went to say hello to him, he turned around and saw me, man, and just jumped back. And <gasps> I wasn't sneaking up. Of course, I wasn't clanking my feet either. But I've learned now to holler, hey, Tony! Because it, it just, oh, and before we say, oh, Poor Tony. What about you? You ever been in a house alone and you start hearing stuff that you normally don't hear? As a matter of fact, you start hearing the furnace make noises and you're thinking, you wouldn't do that if somebody else were here, would you? <laughs> We, we hear this stuff, and then our mind starts to run away with us, and, and, and we, 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 we get all worked up. We, I'm not going to tell about the picture that somebody took underneath our house, and it looked like a ghost. But if you want to hear about it, you can ask Debbie after service. And, and so when, when you, you hear a noise or, or there's something in your past, and it won't let you go, and it keeps trying to gnaw at you, and it keeps trying to tear at you until you find out this is what the psalmist said. The psalmist said, man, I had all this stuff going on, and I didn't even know it. But God did. There's a God who knows. And God knew the bitterness was starting to take root. He knew that it was beginning to grow. And this is what the psalmist said. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. I love, I love this last line. Yet I still belong to you, and you hold my right hand. Even when I blew it, 
you didn't let me go. Even when I got worked up and I got frustrated. Any of you ever blame God for something? Anybody ever get to a place where all of a sudden, God, I thought you loved me. I thought, I, I thought, I thought you cared about me. Well, or have somebody come up to you and tell you, well, you know, if you was living right, you wouldn't be going through all that. I'm thinking, well, you've been camped out in my backyard. How do you know how I'm living? But then it all starts getting turned and twisted inside your heart and inside your mind. And before you realize it, bitterness is trying to grow a root and it's trying to get a hold of you. But when he walked into the house of God, that's why it's so important for you to be in the house of God. That's why the Bible said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as a manner of some is. What was, G what was Paul saying? Paul was saying the time's going to come when people feel like I can just do this at home. I'll just sit back at home. You're not going to get the same synergy. You're not going to feel the same power. You're not going to experience the same anointing because God saying I want you together turn around look at your neighbor and say get it together come together he wants us to understand we're not alone when he went to the house of God he said I understood that God had not forgotten me he had not left me, and that these folks aren't getting away with anything. Then he began to reflect, God, I've been such a, I've been so foolish. I must have been like a senseless animal to you. But he said, yet yeah, God loved me, and he held my hand. He would not let go of me. Somebody ought to give him a shout yes for that. <laughs> Jeremiah 17 and 10. I, the Lord, search and examine the mind. I test the heart to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. You see, the God who knows is testing our hearts. Somebody say it with me. He knows, and he's testing our hearts. If you look in the book of John, the sixth chapter, there's a crowd of people that come toward Jesus, and as Jesus sees them coming. He turns around, and he looks at Philip, and he said, Philip, he said, where, where can we buy food that these can eat? And the Bible said he said this to test Philip. Because he already knew what he was going to do. <laughs> Anybody out there? Jan, he already knew what he was going to do. <laughs> and those doctors, they said, this doesn't go away. And God said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to make you eat those words. I'm going to cause you to understand that there is a God who knows, knows exactly where you're at, exactly what you're going through, and he's promised he will not leave you or forsake you. Don't you begin to run when the wolf begins to howl. Just stand up and declare, I got my foot on the rock and my mind made up. I serve a God that's more than enough. And when the devil comes a knocking, don't let fear answer the door. Let faith stand up. 
and say, what do you want here? Get behind me. I'm coming through. We got to make up our mind that we're not giving up. Everybody say, no turning back. Philip looks at him. He's on a spot, man. He's taking a test. What happens when you take a test? Any of you get a little nervous when you have a test coming up? Any of you have nervous problems? Any of you try to cheat? Oh, don't answer that question. <laughs> you know, here's the deal. You can't cheat on this test. Nobody can take this test for you. This is a test you have to take on your own, and it's a test of your faith. It's testing your heart. He said it to test Philip. He knew what he was going to do. He wasn't going to leave Philip out there to dry. And Philip looks at him and says, Lord, he said, man, he said, if we worked for months, if we, I mean, we wouldn't have enough money to give, give everybody a little bit of food. But there's another guy there. His name's Andrew. And I can't help but Andrew's thinking differently because of what he says. Andrew speaks up and he says, hey, Lord, there's a kid here that's got five loaves and two fish. And in my mind, I see all the other disciples cut their eyes at him. Really? Five loaves, two fish. You're taking a look at all these people. And so Andrew goes on to say, but what are they among so many? Have you ever have somebody try and steal your faith? All of a sudden, you, you speak up and, 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 and you feel faith rising up in your heart and you declare a word only to have somebody try and rain on your parade. Can I tell you, that's why they make umbrellas. Don't let them rain on your parade. Go ahead and just love God anyway. I, I had my little four-year-old granddaughter out the other day, and it was raining, and we had done this a few times before, and I had her, and I said, I'm singing in the rain. Just, and she kicked off, man, and she started singing in the rain. They sent me a clip of her with an umbrella twirling it around at home singing, I'm singing in the rain. When you make up your mind, you're not going to let a storm steal your joy. You're going to be able to sing in the rain too. <laughs> Come on, somebody, and shout, Yes. He knew what he was going to do, but he's testing our hearts. Phillips isn't the first heart to get tested, you know. I mean, anybody ever hear about a guy by the name of Ezekiel? God takes him into the middle of a valley full of dry bones and asks this question, Hey, Ezekiel, can these bones live? Now, if it had been my friend saying that to me, I looked at him and said, you out of your mind? <laughs> but this is God. And Ezekiel understands that God knows. So he takes the easy way out. He says, oh, Lord, God, you know. <laughs> I'm afraid to say yes because if I say yes, you may tell me to do it. We live on the edge of faith, always afraid to launch out into the deep. But if you want big fish, you're going to have to get in some deep water. If you, if you want more than what you're experiencing now, you've got to make up your mind, I'm going to go out deeper, even though I may be a little unsure. I may not feel comfortable in deep water, but I know that's where I need to be. He's testing our hearts. Ezekiel, can these bones live? Lord, you, you know. See, Ezekiel thought he could get away with that, but God wouldn't let him. God said, it's not enough that you just say, I know. I want you to respond. And so God tells Ezekiel, prophesy 
to these bones. What are you saying? I'm saying quit bringing your situation to God and just sitting back with your hands up and going, Lord, you know what's going on. I don't know what to do. You need to begin to speak to your situation. You need to begin to declare a word. Do you hear what I'm saying? Oh, oh I got a scripture I need to read you. No, it's actually not a scripture. It's something I wrote. <laughs> Wait a minute. I got to find it. Here it is. Watch this. Romans 8 and 27. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. He pleads with us. What's he saying? He said, I want you to get in harmony with my will. Any of you guys been out of harmony with your wife or your husband? Hey, nobody going to raise their hand on that. I know. Bunch of chickens. No, I'm kidding. You know what I'm talking. You get out of harmony. I, any of you ever sing? I love to sing. Matter of fact, there have been a few times I just kicked off singing with the choir praise and worship team Debbie let me know it I was sitting I, I, I'd been up and, and, and they came back out to do a song and I sat down and I forgot to turn my mic off and so as they were singing all of a sudden this angelic voice <laughs> some of them declared it was a fallen angel <laughs> started chiming in with the choir and I knew Something was up when I saw Debbie look at me. It's not like you've ever seen that look around here, have you? She'd given me a signal. No, she didn't say that. She didn't say that. <laughs> but she's, she's trying to communicate to me that my mic is on, so I'm blending in. Well, not so much. <laughs> I, was, I was out of harmony. And I, all the other singers thought I was in perfect harmony. Jasmine's been pleading for me to join the choir. <laughs> no, what she did is she said, Pastor, you ever seen these pastor fails? I said, what are you talking about? It's when a pastor's got his mic on and he's singing out of tune. <laughs> Thanks, Jasmine. You're so subtle. Just, you know, just out there, boom. But here, here's why they were trying to get my attention. It's because when you are out of harmony, you cause everybody else to get out of harmony. Come on, come up here and try and sing with me real quick. You ready? I'm going to take a trip. On the good old gospel ship, I'm going far beyond. Just join in there anytime. I'm just going to, when I shout and sing, well, when the heavens ring, because I'm bidding this world. Goodbye, you're off a little bit. <laughs> it's a, it's a, go ahead, thank you. What I'm saying is this, it's never us, is it? It's always somebody else. We don't even know that we're not in harmony. I heard that. <laughs> 
We don't, we don't even realize that we're not in harmony. And the more, now here's the deal. Say, so, well, what are you getting at, Pastor? Because when you get out of harmony with God, you throw others out of harmony too. When all of a sudden your life gets out of harmony, it affects every life around you in a negative way. And so God is pleading, get in harmony with my will. I want you to be in harmony. Somebody shout it out. Harmony. You, you do not allow what you see to stop you from declaring the word of the God who knows. Ezekiel said, Lord, you know, and he stopped. And God said, uh-uh, I need you to get in harmony with my will. What are you saying? Ezekiel wasn't saying anything else. You can't allow what you see to stop you from declaring the word of the God who knows. You may not know, but he knows. And if you know that he knows, you need to declare it. So what does Ezekiel do? Ezekiel walked out in the middle of that field, that valley of dry bones, squared his shoulders back and said, I don't know how this is going to happen, but he knows. And because he knows, that's enough for me. And he began to prophesy to those bones. And he said, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. You come together. And all of a sudden, wind started blowing from the east and the west, the north and the south. Bones are flying all over the place, hooking up, getting connected. And they're standing there. Then skin started. You talk about a move of God. Brother, if that don't get your heart to pump, and ain't nothing going to. He sees that and he begins to prophesy you are a great and mighty army you need to hear what I'm telling you it doesn't matter how whipped you feel and how defeated you feel I'm telling you today stand up hear the word of the Lord that you are greater than he that's in you than he that's in the world that you've been made more than a conqueror through him that loved you that God is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that you ask or think Somebody shout, yes. yes. The God who knows. Romans 8 and 28. And we know. Oh, let that sink in for a minute. See, I've been talking to you all morning long about the God that knows. And the God that knows is saying, you know. What do we know? We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. What are you saying? We know. We know that everything that happens isn't good. But we know that God knows. And the God that knows is going to work it for good. 
Oh, you, you need to hear what I'm saying. So the devil shows up in your life, and he tries to trip you up through a trial, and you stand in there, and he's trying to take you down, and God shows up, grabs the devil by the nap of the neck, and says, now you tried to destroy them. Let me show you what I'm getting ready to do. And then there you are, feeling weak, and all of a sudden you start feeling something coming up in your bones. You feel, Jeremiah said it was like a fire that was shut up in my bones. What are you saying? You're not weak. You're not down. You're not out. You were blood bought. You're born again. You've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. You need to stand up and declare to the devil that God knows. And the God that knows has promised to never leave me or forsake me. Turn around and look at your name and say, you best step back. Because God knows, and I'm coming through here. I got, I got my mind made up. Song said, my foot's on the rock, and my mind's made up. Though I drink from the bitter, though I walk through a bitter valley, though I walk through a lonesome valley, something like that. <laughs> though I walk through a lonesome valley, though I drink from a bitter cup. When the devil comes a-knocking, Showing me an easy way, I just stand right flat on my feet. I throw my head in the air. I look him right in the eye and say, my foot's on the rock and my mind's made up. Come on and give him praise in this house today. We know. Everybody say it with me. We know. We know that he knows. Say that one. We know that he knows. And because we know that he knows, we can come boldly. Somebody say, come boldly. Listen to this. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. This is in the message. Now that we know what we have. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> I said, now that we know what we have. Some of us come to church and we act like we don't know what we got. I'm unhappy. Get happy. Come on, everybody. Get happy. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Somebody got happy. What do you know? God is so good. God is so good. She did that all by herself. I didn't even ask her to do that, man. She's, she scared the dickens out of me. <laughs> we know. And because, man, I wish I'd have thought of that, but that was good. <laughs> we know. And because we know, we can come boldly. Now that we know what we have, Jesus this great high priest with ready access to God. Let's not let it slip through our fingers. The psalmist said, my feet had almost gone back. Don't let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he's so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. How many today are ready to trust in the God who knows? Would you stand with me?
you ever get yourself to a place where you couldn't sleep? Because you're trying to figure it all out. And God's saying, all you that are weary and heavy laden, come unto me. I'll give you rest. He knows. Where, do, you ever, do you ever stop to consider that maybe what you're trying to get worked out isn't what he wants, isn't the way he wants to work it out at all? I mean, how many of you have ever had a bad idea that you thought was good? <laughs> he knows. <laughs> and you're bringing that to him and he's going, oh, you don't know how bad that is. I mean, think about it. James and John go to him and said, Lord, you want us to call fire down out of heaven and consume them like Elijah did? They thought that was a good idea. Jesus looked at him and said, you don't even know how bad that is, man. You don't even know what kind of spirit you're of. Aren't you glad that there's a God that can filter out our bad ideas, that can stop us before we go too far, that can reel us in when we're about to come apart? that can take the bitterness that we've allowed to build up in our heart and reshape it and remold it until it becomes pools of love. Everybody say love. So if you're here today and you're facing something, rest assured that God knows. What I want you to do is to have enough faith to bring what it is you're facing to him boldly. I don't want you to come up here and go, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. I want you to come up here and say, God, you've got this. That's what Jan said. <laughs> Jan, she came into the office and we met with her and family and she said, God's got this. It's easy to say that when you're not the one going through it. But when you're the one going through it, it takes something. It takes understanding that he knows. He's got this. So if you're here today and you've got something going on that you need God to take care of, I want you to come and stand with me right now. Just come and stand from all over the building. You're coming up boldly today. Look like you're determined. God's got this. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I know he's going to do it. Broke down on the side of the road in a motor home, pulling a car behind it. Drive shaft broke. I turned around and I started singing to Debbie out of harmony. <laughs> He'll do it again. Yes, he will. He'll do it again. Just take a look at where you are now and where you have been. Hasn't he always come through for you? Well, he's the same now as then. You may not know how, you may not know when, but he'll do it again. So you stretch those hands to heaven with me right now. Just raise those hands with me right now. Declare it with me. He's going to do it again. Come on, say it one more time. He's going to do it again. I went to see your mama yesterday, and I, I just believe God, he's going to do it again. 
I saw her at a point one time and they said it was over. But you know, God is a big God, isn't he? And I can tell you right now, it's not over till he says it's over. Stretch your hands to heaven with me right now. Father, we thank you. You are the God. Great is your faithfulness. Your faithfulness. I'll sit in your hands. This is my confidence. You never And I 
stretch your hands and love him with me right now, I want you to hear what I'm going to say. One of our biggest challenges is to quit trying to fix it ourselves and allow God to do it. I want you to hear what I, I want you to hear this. When we push in and we're trying to fix it ourselves, what we're saying to God is, I don't trust you. I'm not saying that we're not supposed to do nothing. We're supposed to speak. Prophesy to the bones. Don't sit in fear, but don't trust in the flesh. Allow God to be God. Amen. As you stretch your hands to heaven right now, just as high as you can get. This young lady here, standing here, they gave up on a long time ago. I talked to her husband. Oh, what's, that's been over a year ago. <laughs> They'd given completely up saying she was not going to survive. She's praising God here today. Don't. God knows. God knows how. We've got our way that we want God to do it. But then he's got his own way of doing things. My biggest challenge is trying to get my way out of the way so he can have his way. Amen. As you raise your hands with me one more time, I want you to say this with me. God, I trust you. I want you to look at me just a second. I know you got stuff going on and it's, it's I, I see it involved, I, I, I can't, I'm just going to tell you what I see. I see several people and I see things going on and it's like nothing seems to be coming together. And God is saying, I want you to stop worrying because you've wore yourself out with worry. God's saying, I want you to understand I know and I want you to trust me. Would you say it with me? I trust you, God. I know the night there it is. There it is. Thank you, Jesus. Your word will come to pass. Thank you, Jesus. As you raise your hands to heaven with me, Father, we thank you today for what you're doing and for what you're teaching us. You're teaching us about trust and you're teaching us about faith. And so today, God, we declare. We know that you know. <laughs> and we know that you're able. That's your name. And we shout yes in Jesus' name. Come on, give him a hand clap of praise in this house. God bless you. He's got you. He's got this handled. Just trust him in it in Jesus' name. We love you all.
quickly. Remember ushers, greeters, teachers, security, tech, Life Center. We've got a meeting immediately following service. I'll see you there.